1: Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, February 11th, and that means this is your serviceable and intriguing waiver wire pickups episode. And today, a special edition. One day after the NBA trade deadline, we'll be sorting through how to prioritize who to add. We will also hit some deadline winners and losers as I'm joined by Jonas Nader, who writes the waiver wired column, on NBC Sports Edge and Steve Alexander, who wrote the Deadline Winners and Losers column, what, how convenient is this, guys? How was your Deadline Day, gentlemen? Who wants to go first?
2: I'll start really quick, because I know Steve's going to say something about Dallas, and I can't wait for that. <laughs> but things were going so smoothly, and then all of a sudden we get this report that the the Dallas Mavericks are trading Brazingas for Dinwiddie, and we're all just like, what? Yeah, like I had to confirm that that was the actual Woj that tweeted that like four times. I could not believe it. I was like, what is in this package? And then we see Davis Bertans trickle in after, and we're just like, you've got to be kidding me. That was just unbelievable. What are they doing? But yeah, the deadline was a lot of fun. There's so much movement. A lot of guys have changed values too, so excited to talk about those guys. Jonas, I don't even know what you're talking about. The only thing
3: I remember (laughs) from Thursday was – I got juked by some clown that retweeted a fake Chris Haynes Chris Boucher has been traded. Mm-hmm. It was right as we were going live on Twitter spaces, which I, I did. I still don't even really know what 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 I was what that was. <laughs> but uh, I got juked. I was like, oh, Boucher got traded and then I dived in this thing live and then I, something popped up like, dude, you got faked out. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. so I'm I'm trying to talk about the trade the, the trade deadline. I'm trying to delete my tweet at the same time dallas mavericks as far as i'm concerned uh I, I don't i don't know what you're talking about and then uh sean white was snowboarding last night that was amazing and the interview afterwards was highly emotional and then today at two o'clock women's curling usa versus china i'm fired up usa network my boy Ahmed. med hopefully will be there let's go
1: steve has olympics fever and i love it i was watching the half pipe too Last night, Steve, and man, what a show! Go treat yourself to Ayumo Hirano of Japan's run that won it. That is incredible stuff. But circling back to the trade deadline, the joy, Steve, that was in <laughs> I, it was palpable in your tweet. Chris Boucher is out of Toronto, the nightmare is over. You're like, Welcome to Houston, and then like two seconds later, expletive <laughs> from you in our Slack chat just great stuff all around.
3: It was, well, I actually. Dropped one in there, yeah, didn't I? you
1: did. That was amazing. And and just what you said, Jonas, about the Porzingis trade, it was like the way some of these trades were coming in, it would be like Kristaps Porzingis has been traded to the Wizards. You would get kind of p- part of it, right? And then Woj or Shams would tweet out the remaining details. And I think that one actually, maybe it was even ESPN's Tim McMahon who had the details first. But either way, it's like, okay, what
3: what do we got here? What's coming back? What's coming back?
1: And it's like, Spencer Dinwiddie
3: yeah. is like, Oh, I knew that that was (laughs) we were in trouble because the initial tweet that I saw said Dallas moving Porzingis for a package centering on Spencer Dinwiddie. And I was like, wait, huh? That's it's centered around Spencer Dinwiddie and everything else that's going to come with it is going to be Davi's Bertans like,
2: oh, man. Oh, boy. Bertans makes 80 million over five years and hits 30 percent of his threes. Amazing stuff,
1: just amazing stuff yeah. all around. So I I do think we could probably go on for hours about all of that, but we do have a lot to cover here. So let's start. Uh, we'll get to waiver wire pickups in a minute. That's why we're normally here on Fridays, but because this is such a unique Friday, right off the trade deadline. Steve, as I said, you wrote that deadline winners and losers column. Where do you want to start? Like, who who's your biggest winner? I think I feel like there's a little bit of consensus here. I mean, do you agree? It's Andre Drummond,
3: the biggest winner. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know that Drummond's the biggest winner.
1: Who do you have as the biggest winner?
3: I think the most exciting thing that happened is probably that we're going to see Ben Simmons play basketball again. I mean, sure. I wrote sure. a lot of words about Ben Simmons and his the fact that he can't shoot a free throw. He's scared to shoot a layup. He's, he's passing up open dunks the last time we saw him because he didn't want to go to the free throw line. He's... Uh, and emotional and mental, he's got issues there. He's going to be in the same locker room with Kyrie Irving. Like, what could be better than this? Like, this is either going to be an incredible failure or an incredible success. Like, there's not going to be any in between there. The Nets have lost ten straight games. Like, yes, they have. To me, that's that's the biggest story. And then my, I, I feel like Devin v- Vassell, even though Josh Richardson is is in San Antonio and might might wreck Mm -hmm. some of the hope we have for Vassell. I think Devin Vassell is probably the biggest winner in my book. I think Raul Neto might be a huge winner. Andre Drummond is up there on my list. And Grayson Allen getting Dante DiVincenzo out of Milwaukee
2: helps him a lot, too. Yeah, and Dante's fun in Sacramento, too. He'll be on the waiver wire column, too. I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, and and as will Vassell, Mm -hmm. so... But but I think even, even so, fine, Drummond's not at the top of your winner's list, but he gets potentially a big opportunity going to Brooklyn with Nick Claxton's injury history. There were reports that the Nets were trying to move Claxton right before the deadline from uh, Christian Winfield of New York Daily News. So anyways... Drummond obviously gets a big upgrade let's talk a couple losers though and one that stands out for me is Jackson Hayes and I was writing the trade deadline live blog yesterday and during some downtime which there was in the morning I was writing about I was I was wondering maybe is Herb Jones going to get squeezed by the arrival of CJ McCollum like are we going to see his minutes get scaled back because Jackson Hayes has been playing well turns out Game one of McCollum, it was Jackson Hayes who took a big hit. Now maybe they'll play matchups moving forward, and we will see Hayes. But he only he only got 17 minutes. How worried
2: are you, Jonas, about Jackson Hayes? I'm a little worried because for some reason they played Gary Clark almost 20 minutes. Yeah, that that's unexcusable. Like you can't do that. Uh, Jackson Hayes, the big reason he was having so much success is he was playing the four, right? Uh, because he's so mobile, he can run the floor. That actually worked out really well for him. And now he's relegated back to a backup center before Willie Hernandez is even cleared. Yeah, that's a big concern for me. But I'd like to see one or two more games of him before I drop him because, like we saw, he's so much upside. He's a guy that shoots seventy percent from the floor. Right. Can block shots, uh, can handle the ball even a little bit too for a guy his size too. So yep. I'm going to wait one or two more games, but definitely frustrating development there.
3: Yeah, a week ago I was fired up about Jackson Hayes, and what did he do? Four points and one rebound in that game limited minutes i i dropped him today for my my, my yeah. man we're going to talk about him later poku uh, i i can't get enough of poku right now so a jackson hayes to me i'm i'm moving on because i i don't have time for guys to have four points and one rebound on my roster yeah
1: well your rosters are too good steve for that but jonas <laughs> they're too with, good for a jackson hayes i'm with you jonas i'm giving it another game or two at least uh, yeah. moving to our next likely lose trade deadline loser i would say Guys, are, are you as worried as I am about Tyrese Maxey, more worried? I mean, it just feels like minutes-wise, he should be fine, but opportunity-wise, I, well, I think he just gets crushed, Jonas.
2: Yeah, so right now, he's a mid-rounder. I think he he's going to become more of a late-rounder for me. Like You can't plug in James Harden, who has a 30% usage rate, and not expect a huge dip across the board, right? And Maxey's right. the kind of guy that needs usage because low steal rate, low block, block right. rate. He's an efficient player, yes, but he needs that high volume just to— make it worth make it worth it you know so maxi's definitely a loser i think he's sub top 100 now you can't drop him obviously but yeah this is very frustrating for him for sure
3: yeah maxi's on my list of losers i'm i'm not dropping him uh to me he's he's gonna take a hit but i think he's still the starting point guard for philly and he's still gonna play a bunch of minutes james harden is also not healthy right now and has not been healthy for a while he missed a big chunk of last season he's he's missed a decent chunk of this season so I'm not writing off Tyrese Maxey, especially since Maxey's been such a huge part of what the the Sixers have done so far. But am I concerned? Yes. To me, Spencer Dinwiddie and Derek White, like those two guys, Mm -hmm. they took a huge hit. And you have to you have to reevaluate them and and make sure that they belong on your roster. You
1: have to reevaluate your life. James Harden, by the way, should make his debut next week was the latest blurb on NBC Sports Edge. So, yeah, could be a minute there. And you mentioned Dinwiddie being a loser, Steve. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty worried about Jalen Brunson too, right? Jonas, are, are you concerned about Brunson or, at all or, or not? You don't share that concern.
2: No. No. So the reasoning I've heard that the Dallas Mavericks did this is so they could pay Finney Smith and Jalen Brunson. Brunson's their big priority. They've already signed DFS now. Okay. So they just cleared up a ton of cap space to sign Brunson, assuming they can flip Bertans later. So Brunson is their starting point guard of the future, assuming you don't consider Luka Doncic their point guard, even though he is. But they love Brunson. I don't think Dinwiddie's a threat. I think he's a high-end backup point guard in the NBA, a low-end starter. So I'm not worried about him at all. I think he gets built okay. for Tim Hardaway I, Jr. I'm
1: glad, I'm glad to hear that. But uh, Steve, where, where do you land on this?
3: I just, I don't think Dinwiddie is very good. He scored, what, seven or fewer points in five of his last seven games as the premier focal point, point guard of the Washington Wizards. Like he's just he had that triple double in the middle of it, and only one of his career, and the rest of his games for the last two weeks have been trash. So now you're gonna move into a team. He's a point guard, right? And you're moving him to a team that has Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic starting for it already. Like I just don't see yeah how that works. I and our guy, Reggie Bullock, is still balling out and they're gonna need a, a scorer without Porzingis around. So I think Bullock is safe. I just don't I don't see a window for Dinwiddie to do a lot.
1: I just worry. I mean, I just worry about it squeezing Brunson a little bit. This isn't a guy, kind of like what you're saying about Maxi Jonas. It's not a guy who has like a big steal rate or something. So he has like a ton of margin for error when it comes to fantasy. And so the Mavs are high on Brunson, playing to pay him. That's great. But Dinwiddie arriving in town, it is another point guard who does expect to play, and I think they're going to use him. I don't know how many minutes. I don't know what the minute split will be, whether whether they'll overlap or not. But I I just worry about Brunson doesn't have a huge margin for error. So if he loses, I don't know, four minutes a game, you know, we're going to feel that.
2: Yeah, he's definitely not a winner, Brunson, that is. But I don't think he hits. I don't think his value hits too hard, is what I'm going to say. Okay.
3: And while we're talking about the Dallas Mavericks, may I just point out that Luka Doncic tends to go off every time Kristaps Porzingis was, I should say, in street clothes And last night, Luca went for 51 points. He had 28 in the first quarter. Missed two free throws, Matt Stroud. Uh, Stroud, nice. (laughs) Sorry, couldn't help it. Missed two, well, your boy was in the chat room yesterday just lighting it up with with Stroud this and Stroud that. I love monorails is his code name. That's, That's beautiful. But my point is, Without Chris Porzingis there, I think Luka is going to start going bananas. And it started last night. He missed two free throws at the end of the first quarter, or he would have broken Dirk Nowitzki's first quarter scoring record of 29 points.
1: Wow. We've hit some deadline, winners and losers. Check out Steve's column on NBC Sports Edge. Let's get to the waiver wire pickups. We've already mentioned Derek White, who has been traded to Boston. And we've already mentioned Devin Vassell, Jonas, who... I think you and Steve are both pretty excited about. So so give us your thoughts on Vassell.
2: Yeah, people are worried about Josh Richardson. You should not be. He's been cooked, washed, all that good stuff for three or four years, ever since he left Miami. He's just not a good player anymore. Um, I think they're going to play Devin Vassell in the starting lineup, who's already an 11th rounder this year in 25 minutes. You give him 32 minutes and he gets about Four or five more shots a game. I think he's a clear-cut top 75 player, especially with that steal rate, that block rate, and the high-end three-pointers. Um, the sky's the limit for him. I am super excited about him. Like I said, the backcourt of the future in San Antonio was always going to be DeJounte and Vassell, and they finally cleared White to make it happen.
3: I'm with you, Jonas. I think Vassell—I mean, we're hyping up Vassell so much that there's some pressure on us. If he doesn't do something, we're gonna we're going to look that— that great because we've kind of I've kind of gone all in on Vassell picked him up everywhere I could before I wrote a little hype blurb about him yesterday and guy's a steals machine when he gets minutes he can hit threes he can get rebounds he can get assists like I feel like I feel like there's almost no way he can fail now that Derek White's out of the way that was the problem they had Derek White Vassell and DeJounte Murray and there weren't enough basketballs to go around so I'm I'm pretty fired up.
1: Yeah, for Vassell, you know the steals are such a big part of the equation for him. Overall in January, he's averaging just the one steal per game, but he does seem to be trending back up in that department. Exactly two steals in each of his last four games, so I like it. The next category, Jonas, on the list you sent me is Pacers bigs. The Pacers front court, Demontis Sabonis is gone. Miles Turner is not. The Pacers also brought in Jalen Smith from Phoenix. So how do you decode this situation, Jonas?
2: Yeah, so fantasy managers were hoping that Miles Turner was going to get moved yesterday. That did not happen. So that is a little bit of a buzzkill because we were picking up Isaiah Jackson and Goga to a degree because of the fantasy playoffs, right? We are expecting him to get all the minutes down the stretch. Now that may may not happen because Miles Turner is targeting an early March return. Now, does he actually return in that window if the Pacers continue to uh, tank in the standings? Mm-hmm. We don't know for sure, but it's definitely not ideal. But in the meantime, I, I'm still going to go with Isaiah Jackson. Assuming he's healthy the next day or two, he's missed, I think, three or four games in a row. Um, He's currently questionable for tonight. But if you're looking at that roster right now without Miles, I'm taking Isaiah Jackson for the pure upside. I think he's better than Goga. And I was high on Jalen Smith initially, but it sounds like the Pacers tried to move him again before the deadline yesterday, too. So maybe they're not too interested in playing him a ton of minutes. But either way, Isaiah Jackson is a long-term play here, at least until Miles Turner's back.
3: Yeah, the key is long term, because like you said, Jonas, he's missed four games in a row. Like if 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 Isaiah Jackson would have been healthy these last four games, like we would have seen a monster. He's really missed five games in a row because they only played 30 seconds in the one he got hurt in. um, And we haven't seen him since, which is really a bummer, because I think if had he been playing in those five games, he would have he would have gone off. And we wouldn't even really be talking about him right now because he'd be rostered everywhere that he could be. So. I am concerned about the arrival of Jalen Smith a little bit. But yeah. like, as I told you guys yesterday, even right when it happened, I was like, eh, mm-hmm. Smith didn't really do anything in in Phoenix. You know, they played Bismack Biombo in front of him. Smith went on like a three- or four-game run, and he looked like he was going to be exciting, and then he just disappeared. So I don't think he's going to ruin Jackson. I'm more worried about Jackson's ankle. I'm worried about the Todd's, and I'm worried about uh, Miles Turner coming back. But...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think – I land similarly like I, I want Isaiah Jackson on my roster where I can keep him to see what happens for him but I am concerned about the arrival of Jalen Smith and the fact that Miles Turner is you know planning to return so I think we have to we have to temper our expectations for Isaiah Jackson while also realizing things could break right for him now we talked already about this poor Zingus, Dinwiddie Bertans trade which I think we could all talk about for hours but I want to talk about the point guard situation in D.C. now with the Wizards. Ish Smith landed there on Thursday. Rell Neto had a big game on Thursday. What are your thoughts
2: on how this will play out, Jonas? I think it's going to be a timeshare. My initial reaction is it's going to be a timeshare between Neto and Ish -ish Smith. No one in their right minds thinks either of these players is their long-term option point guard. Obviously, Ish Smith is 49 years old. Raul Neto is a career backup. <laughs> right. They don't have any young point guards behind them right now. Does that change later on? Do they bring in a G-leaguer, give them a trial run? Maybe, right? The Wizards are bottom of the barrel team right now, too. So in the meantime, I think Neto has the slight edge after putting up 21 points, six assists. So I think we're looking at a 28 to maybe 20-minute split for Neto, in favor of Neto, I should say. Smith's getting the backup minutes. But this could become a timeshare. Smith's a decent, decent backup point guard, too, so... If you can, I would wait one more game to see what it actually looks like when both players are playing because Neto's rostered in 3% of the league. You can wait a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, not terribly excited about either, but they will be perhaps late-rounders.
3: When we were in uh, the Twitter spaces call, I guess you, you call it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to – I can't get my head around it. But when we were in there having our chat, uh, somehow we got focused on Ish Smith at that time, it was all Ish Smith this and Ish Smith that. And then after we were done with that, I kind of looked at it and I was like, I don't know, man. Neto has been there. He knows the system. I mean, Ish has been there before too. But I, I feel like this favors rural Neto. I wouldn't be opposed to picking Ruel Neto up right now and just rolling him out there for a couple of games. Like last night for DFS, he was the only point guard in Washington. So it made sense to play him. He had 21.6 assists, like Jonas said. And I think I think until Ishmith actually shows us that he's going to ruin Neto, I, I'm okay with with taking a flyer on Neto for right now. So he's definitely the priority. We're By the way, not, are you in the metaverse?
2: And that Twitter Spaces is
3: that metaverse? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but he's certainly not one of those you know run don't walk guys. Right. You you can take your time. You can actually crawl to your waiver wire to get rule on Neto. Yeah, I like
1: that. Wires. Steve actually did show up to the Twitter Spaces wearing these huge VR goggles. <laughs> <laughs> thinking he needed them.
3: <laughs> I, I, tin, I had a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to compose myself now. Okay, keeping in D.C.,
1: because the Wizards traded away Montrez Harrell on Thursday, so we we actually now think that old friend Daniel Gafford is back in our lives, which is wonderful news, in my household at least. And you think, Jonas, based on your column, that could this finally...
2: Mean we're about to see Thomas Bryant take off. Uh, how yeah. how how should what should we be expecting? I mean, when Gafford was a starter, he was only averaging twenty minutes per game, too. Right? He's also a high foul player, too. So, as much as we love Gafford, yes, he's a must roster, must start player. Now, um, there is room for Bryant to play at least twenty minutes going forward, too. So, Bryant, like he's struggled defensively this year. He hasn't got all of his quickness back from that knee injury, but he's a decent fantasy player. A good block rate, can hit the three decent rebounder as well too. So Daniel Gafford is definitely the priority there, but Thomas Bryant, I think he's going to have a path to top 100 numbers in the final two months of the season.
3: Ironically, I just pulled my winners and losers column back up and to look at it. I have Thomas Bryant and Daniel Gafford both as winners because Montrez Harrell is gone so they can bring in Ish Smith. I actually like Bryant better than Gafford. And it's, I think it's for the same reason. I think it's for the same reason that Jonas just mentioned. Even when gafford wow. was starting they like they don't trust him leaving him out there for more than like 15 minutes 20 minutes it seems like and thomas bryant if you go back to the 2020 when he was sort of at his peak he was averaging 13.7 boards half a steal more than a block and almost a three-pointer a game uh, he's he's a he's a more well-rounded fantasy player uh gafford's a better shot blocker but I just feel like now that there's only two centers, they may continue to start Daniel Gafford, but I could see him getting 20 minutes and Bryant getting 30.
2: Where are they going to play Brzingis So That's the thing. Like Brzingis was at his best as a four in Dallas, but now they have Kyle Kuzma who's playing incredible there. So that's the tricky thing to watch. Like, and Brzingis is already cleared to play too. So that knee injury mm-hmm. he had in Dallas, I think they downplayed that because of the trade deadline too. So uh, I'm curious to see. Well, Go ahead.
3: It is. It is a great question, yeah. Jonas, because – you could, play, you could play Kuzma at the three and Porzingis at the four and then Thomas Bryant or Gafford at five, but you could also play Porzingis at center, leave Kuzma at the, at the four, and then, you know, what's his name? Uh, Josh – what's the kid's name that plays small forward for them, the the rookie? Um, I can't think of his name. Yeah, Kispert. He's coming on a little bit.
2: Oh, Corey Kisper? I have a good, have a good segue for this, too. We have to mention Denny Abduja, Josh Steve's Kisper. favorite player. Speaking Josh of Kisper. jumbo lineups, Wes Unsell Jr., their head coach, said Denny Abdijah yes. might play some point guard going forward, too. That's exciting, too. So if they're playing Abduja, putting Kuzma at the three, Perzingis at the four, and then Gafford or O'Brien at the five, that is a massive lineup that only Cleveland could deal with. But real quick, I wanted to pull abdijah's numbers per request of Steve. <laughs> with Dinwiddie and Beal off the court, he has a per 36 mm-hmm. line of 14 points, six rebounds, three assists, 1.1 steals, 0.5 blocks, and two triples. Those are top 75 numbers. And that's a, over a 300 minute sample size too. So Avdija, you take out the usage of Beal and Dinwiddie. He's suddenly an interesting player. Do you hear that Steve? Well, if I, would, that's the if, sound of Avdija rocketing <laughs> into the sky.
3: I will admit that he is intriguing right now. And I, and if I didn't write him off, swear him off, uh, and, and promise myself and the world that I would not pick him up again this year. I would be enticed to go get Denny. Ab- that's, Abdija. So, that's so st- I, th- I think see. it's probably a good move, but I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm Poku. I'm team Poku all the way. <laughs> I'm
1: dug in. I will not, I will not admit. I'm not ever.
3: touching Denny Abdija again until 2020 next year. Well, I picked
1: him up Whatever. in the 14 team company league. He had 13 points, four boards, a steal, a block and two threes in 32 minutes on Thursday. So keeping my expectations from, you know, getting too high, but I am I am intrigued and I do think he's a worthwhile, worth a look. I think he was 5% rostered last I checked in Yahoo yeah. Leagues. What do we think about I, I I think I don't want to spend an hour and a half on the Wizards, but there's a lot to to talk about here. What do we think about KCP with no Beal, no Dinwiddie? To
2: me, I'm I'm not that excited about it, Jonas, but maybe you can try to sell it. KCP is Devin Vassell at the Y in 30 years, right? (laughs) This is (laughs) going (laughs) to be... He's just the ultimate steals and threes, guys. And now that there's suddenly shots available for him with Dinwiddie not jacking up 29-footers with three seconds uh, into the shot clock. So he's suddenly very interesting. (laughs) And Wizards have no one right now, too. So I'm excited about him. I don't know that I can enjoyed that that one. All right.
1: <laughs> he, he's cold he's been cold lately you know kcp 10 points per game on 36 percent shooting his last 10 games but opportunity wise I, I can see it so he's definitely on the watch list for me at the very worst 26 percent rostered.
3: well i think it, it, like the best news for denny avdija is that kcp is the only thing standing in his way from major success so that that bodes well for denny also i'm i i'm i honestly could not care less about kcp
1: How about that? That's fair. So
3: Dallas, quickly.
1: I mean, Porzingis had already been out. He had missed the last six games anyway. So I think we kind of know what the deal is there. I mean, I certainly haven't run to pick up Maxi Kleber, but does anyone want to... Jonas, do you want to make a case for for that?
2: Sure. Real quick before Kleber, though. Dorian Finney-Smith, check your waiver wire for him. He's suddenly a very interesting player. Uh, He's rostered in less than 40% of leagues, too. Per 36 of... 12 points, six rebounds, 2.5 dimes, 1.6 steals, 0. 0.6 blocks, and 2.1 triples with Brzingis off the court. As for Kleber, um, minutes have been a little lower uh, recently because of that left knee issue he had. He's had this left knee issue for several years now, but it sounds like he's getting ramped up. Had 27 minutes in his last game. And if you remember, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, it was. He had four blocks and three steals in, a, in one single game too. So Kleber is a lot of fun. He's widely available at 16% rostered. And his minutes are ramping back up, and they have no one in Dallas, so I'm I'm excited about both. Probably late rounders is their floor, top 100 is their upside. Kleber is a lot of
3: fun. Uh, I have not heard that said before. I have also never experienced it. <laughs> like Kleber is is like my my Hassan Whiteside counterpart. Like if I play Kleber or or Whiteside in my lineup. You can guarantee zero blocks, four points, two rebounds, maybe an assist and a couple of turnovers. They're not in my lineup. They they both go off. I've never had a fun experience with Kleba. At least I know Hassan Whiteside can put up a monster line every now and then. Should Kleba go off without Brazingis there? Yes. Will he? I, I I don't know. Occasionally he will when he's not when he's not in my lineup.
1: One more to hit before we take a break. Dante DiVincenzo is a Sacramento King, as we said. What are you expecting there, Jonas?
2: Well, the interesting thing is, is do they play him at the three? Because that's kind of like his major path to minutes because they have Damian mm-hmm. Mitchell playing the two. Are right. they willing to play him at the two and three? The reason I like him so much in Sacramento is because the Kings have already used so many three-point guard or three-guard lineups. Like I don't think it's going to be any issue. Uh, and DiVincenzo, two years ago when he was actually healthy, he was in that mid round conversation, too. He has the insane steal rate, close to two per 36. He can pass the ball, decent rebounder for a size two, and he can hit the three, too. So kind of that Devin Vassell upside, I would say. And the Kings have been eyeing DiVincenzo for years now, we've heard. So they're very high on him, obviously, and I'm excited about him.
3: I don't know, man. It seems like there are a lot of guys just as tall and same weight as him, like Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Davion Mitchell, Dante DiVincenzo, like, there's a lot of guys, and and Lamb and Justin Holiday both got big minutes in their first game for Sacramento. That of course was before Dante DiVincenzo was there. I feel like they're playing Davion Mitchell more as like well, I think he finishes games as a two and starts games out as a backup one. But either way, he's playing both guard spots. I, I'm just worried about it being a little too crowded in there. But I DiVincenzo's more talented than Lamb and Holiday. And like you said, the Kings want him. So maybe he'll, he'll end up out on top But one of those three guys is going to take a, a huge hit and it's, it's probably going to be Jeremy Lamb. But I, I'm intrigued. I, we need to see what the Kings are going to do because they have a lot of choices to make too. They got rid of Marvin Bagley. Are they going to go with Mo Harkless the power forward? Or are they going to go with Chemezi Matu? Is Trey Lyle's going to play? Like they've got Sabonis. They've got Harrison Barnes. They, there's a lot of different things they could do because, They've got guys that can play multiple positions. Plus, they're the Kangs, so we don't really know what they what they have up their sleeve.
2: By the way, we didn't mention him as a loser, but Rashawn Huge Holmes, loser. biggest loser, maybe of the online. biggest
3: loser of all.
2: Yeah, tough. Yeah,
1: tough
3: one. 12, 12 minutes. Now he he was returning from from a
1: personal leave, so yes, very concerned. But I let's not d- definitely assume that twelve is the norm going forward until we've seen it again a time or two.
3: Oh, and I've, I've read that the Kings don't think they can play Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes together. Well, that's not good. I, I mean, it just looks really bad. Chim- Chimizima 2 is up and coming. Sabonis is locked and loaded. I can't believe two things I can't believe. I can't believe the Wizards didn't trade Brad Beal. Three things. I can't believe the Kings didn't trade Rashawn Holmes. And I can't believe that the Mavericks traded Chris Porzingis for Zingas for Spencer Dinwiddie.
1: Well, yeah, as for Holmes, I mean, I think we will be in drop territory soon yeah. if we see it another time or two. As for DiVincenzo, I think I'm closer to Jonas's side of this, but I get what Steve is saying. And I think you don't make him the top priority just because he doesn't have the highest ceiling. But if you miss out on some higher ceiling options, I think DiVincenzo is worth a look. And he's super widely available at last check, 8% rostered. So... We have some more names to hit, including the aforementioned Marvin Bagley, plus a couple of your questions. But first, we're going to take a quick break.
0: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way.
1: NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you an NBA midseason offer. Get 20% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout February when you use promo code STEW20. Finish your fantasy regular season strong at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code STEW20 at checkout to save today. All right. Let's talk about Marvin Bagley quickly here uh, as we prepare to hit the stretch run of this episode. I'm not that compelled by Bagley, but I know that some people are wondering what it's going to look like in Detroit. What are your thoughts, Jonas?
2: Just an incredible career in Sacramento. I know the Kings fans are devastated. (laughs) I can't (laughs) can't even finish that. (laughs) Man, that's just so bad. They're so glad they turned the page in that chapter. That was just rough, man. You saw Marvin Bagley's dad on Twitter was just begging the Kings to move him, and they finally did. Yeah. In terms of landing spots, though, this was probably the best, right? Detroit has Isaiah Stewart who looks like he's going to be out of the league in two years. He's been that bad, literally can do nothing but rebound right now. I'm not adding Bagley yet, but I think uh, Stewart is on red alert right now. Like he could lose his job. They're going to give Bagley a look no matter what, right? They have to see what they have in him. I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. Not much, but (laughs) uh, he's at least worth watching for sure. But I'm not adding him yet. Wow. That is some harsh talk about beef stew.
3: I think he's had double digit rebounds in like six in a row, maybe something like that. I, I feel like beef stew is coming on a little bit. I, I, the guy that I, I would like to take out to the woodshed, take to the train station is, is Kelly Olynyk. man. Like how bad has he been? He's been awful. And he was awful again last night. Like, I cannot believe that this is the same guy that was going off last year that I, I had such high hopes for mm. a fourth thing like Matt, you wanted for a fourth thing. I can't believe is that Jeremy Grant did not get traded yesterday. How did that, yeah. how did he not get moved? I cannot wrap my head around that one. Begley has to go to bed every night, knowing that he was drafted in front of Luca Doncic and Trey young. And like, like Jonas said, and Jaron Jackson, Jr. just had an incredible career there in Sacramento. I mean, fans are they were more tra- tore up about him leaving than, than Tyrese Halliburton but I, a fresh start for him in Detroit is exactly what he needs and there's a chance that he could finally do something uh but even when he had good nights in Sacramento I I feel like the free throws were bad there were no blocks there were no steals there were no threes it was just like nine points and 13 rebounds was like you celebrated when that happened so I I don't know. I'm just not feeling it.
1: I keep thinking about Steve saying, I'd like to take that Kelly Olenek down to the train station and buy him a ticket to the destination of his choosing. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave town, sir. Please leave town. Mark, yeah, Bagley, I looked it up. His per 36 minutes numbers this year, I think he's around you know, 15 points, 11 boards, but the defensive stats aren't there. It's like 0.5 steals, 0.6 blocks. Just not a lot to get excited about. So I'm out there as well. Where, Jonas, would you like to take this next? We we have a lot of names left on your list. I don't think we can hit them all, so let's just uh, prioritize some guys
2: here in the closing minutes. Let's go with Grayson Allen. It sounds like, uh, sorry, Connaughton had a really bad injury last night, uh, could be out several weeks. They moved DiVincenzo. Grayson Allen's cleared for 30 minutes now. And the thing I like about Grayson is he's so dependable. You never have to worry about a suspension, him tripping somebody. Getting into an altercation. He's just so reliable night in, night out. No drama there. Just plug him into your lineup, and he'll get you 15 points and three triples. And he's loved by everyone, too. It's a race to the waiver wire for this guy. So go get Grayson Allen. Oh, man. Uh, Jonas, thank you for that tidbit on
3: Pat Connaughton. I was not aware that he got hurt last night. So I was already fired up about Grayson Allen before I knew that piece of information. Um, I wrote that. Winners and losers thing like four o'clock this morning did not did not know, did not see that news. So to me, without Dante DiVincenzo and Connaughton there, it's Grayson Allen 40 minutes a night. So I, I think he's a another winner. Um, another winner. Everybody loves him.
2: Yeah, it wasn't even reported by the team, but some low end reporter in Milwaukee said that, uh, Div- uh, sorry, Connaughton fractured his third Oof. metacarpal. That'll do it if it's re- if it's real or not we'll have to see but i'm pretty sure it is as jonas said
1: just a race to the waiver wire to now. go get grayson allen yep <laughs> well what, what what's next for you jonas I, I mean i know you had jonathan you had jonathan Kaminga on your list not a not a deadline or post deadline guy but I i imagine he was a priority for you as well do you want to talk about him for a second
2: Yeah, for sure. So it used to be Otto Porter Jr. was like kind of the big winner with Draymond out. But ever since that back injury for Otto Porter Jr., we're kind of seeing the Wizards version of him, right? No mobility, low minutes, uh, doesn't look quite right. So now Steve Kerr is going back to Kaminga, who was in the doghouse a few weeks ago, but now he's suddenly back in his good graces. And if you guys watch Kaminga play, dude, I've never seen a a player his size move that that well. It's insane. Like the dude can jump from the free throw line if he wanted to. He's just uh, jumps out of the gym. Last five games for him, he's at 16.4 points, 4.2 rebounds, 2.2 dimes, and 1.2 triples. Uh very low steals and blocks, which is weird yeah. for as athletic and weird. long as he is. But I think we're gonna see more of that down the stretch when he gets more comfortable. He's kind of he's in that mode where he's like he doesn't want to make a mistake on defensive end, so he's not gambling at all. If you guys watch him, he's he's kind of nervous. He's looking over at Steve Kerr a lot. But yeah, I think Kaminga's gonna be a hell of a player someday. I'm excited about him. He's got another three to four week window with Draymond out to put up numbers. I've got Kuminga on like three teams. <clears throat> I'm with you, man.
3: He's gonna have his off nights. He was in the doghouse, like you said, a little while ago, but he's he's getting minutes again and he's he's super fun to watch. Like mm-hmm. I'll watch Warriors games just to just to watch him play. He's he's fun. So I think he should be rostered everywhere.
1: We need more gambling on defense, though. I think maybe we could Just put that in his ear. We just need a little bit more gambling to get those steals up. That's That really was the only note I made about him that I was wondering about. But again, given his skill set, I think we expect those defensive stats to hopefully pick up soon. So Cam Thomas had 27 points on Thursday. Harden is gone, obviously. Durant's still out. Ben Simmons is not ready yet. But Seth Curry's coming to town. So does that kind of take a lot of the wind out of those sails, Jonas?
2: I still have Cam Thomas as a streamer. Like I'm not picking him up for the long run, obviously, because when Ben Simmons comes back from it, they call it mental issues. Like they said, he's cleared from his mental issues now that he's away from Philly. Oh, so he's going to play soon. Uh, so Cam Thomas, he's still there's still a room for him to play 30 minutes for the next two or three games. But other than that, he's probably going to be in drop territory soon. Uh, one guy we didn't mention is Javante Green is still doing things in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, across the board. Top 60 and 9cat over his last, uh, I think it was nine games, almost 12 points, 4.4 rebounds, 1.7 dimes, 1.1 steals, one blocks and 0.3 triples too. So very excited about him. Uh, if you want, if you got time for one more, one or two more names, just let me know.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's get let's get in one or two more, and then we want to get in one or two viewer questions, and then we want to get out of here. We got to talk Poku at some point because I mean, Steve is practically wearing yeah. a Poku jersey. But go ahead with whatever you want
2: first. Yeah, we'll end on Zewski, for sure. But real quick, Brandon Clark's still out there in a few leagues, mid rounder for the last two months, and Jaden McDaniels is starting to do some stuff too. Like Jared Vanderbilt is still the guy there, uh, but Jaden's getting a lot of run at the three and four too. So that's interesting. And his last six games. He's at almost 12 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2.3 dimes, 0.8 blocks, and two triples. He is red hot from three right now. And when the blocks and steals pick up to where they were last year, Jaden's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll end on Pokushevsky. Steve, you wanna go first?
3: Well, what a what a roller coaster ride it's been for us Pokushewski fan. Uh the only one there is me. It's been a wild week because Sunday he went off. I think it was Sunday. Might have been Saturday. By going off, I mean he had like twelve points and six rebounds or something something. Twelve
1: nine and three, yeah, twelve nine and hey,
3: three. Given that he hadn't played in a month, that was pretty exciting. So I got all, <laughs> sure. I got all fired up. I'm like, hey, it's Poku time. I'm picking him up. I'm rolling with him, and then I, I get some note from Jared. Like, we don't write up players for being sent to the G League anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? And Poku got sent to the G League after that game and missed Monday's game. So I was like, oh, no, this is terrible. I wrote a blurb up. I'm like, Poku got sent to the G League. I'm sorry, everyone. Mm -hmm. And then he got called back up the next day. And that line, 30 minutes, seven of nine shooting, four triples, 18 points, four boards, four steals, two blocks. Derek Favors, old man, 47 years old. Derek The old man, the old river. The old river. (laughs) (laughs) 15 minutes, zero shots, zero points, three rebounds. Like That's all I need to hear, baby. Derek Favors is not going to play for this tank fest down the road. Pokaszewski's not going to win games for this team because he's, he's literally uh, the size of my pen as far as his muscle goes. But he's going to go out there. He's going to shoot threes. He's going to do stuff because he's also super tall. Um, I could not be more fired up. <laughs> he plays Friday night and Saturday night. I'm all in. Just go all in on Pokachevsky's for Friday and Saturday, and then you can either thank me or take me to the train station on Monday, (laughs) and we'll go from there. I mean, if he goes off on Friday and Saturday and you took a flyer on him on Friday afternoon, right before the the U.S. women take on China in curling, you, you could really hit the jackpot here.
2: Yeah. Steve, I'd like to apply to be the co-president of the Pokuzeski fan club because before the season, I had to explain to my wife why I spent $1,000 on Pokuzeski rookie cards. (laughs) That was not an easy conversation. (laughs) Oh, man. I
1: was an early, I was an early guy on the Poku train last year, and I gotta admit, I kind of got off at some point. Welcome to Jonas's improv, (laughs) says bt underscore photo.
3: It's
2: been going on, but yeah,
1: I think you guys are kind of carrying this at this point. So I'll leave it in
2: your. I'll make one quick case for Poku as well. um Last year, he started 28 games. He was at 11 points, almost six rebounds, almost three assists, almost a block. That's a lot of almost. I probably should say the actual numbers. And 1.7 triples. Can we edit out? Let's edit out yeah. one of those almost. <laughs> okay, thanks. So he's a lot of fun. If you remember, also, I think it was his last game of the of the season uh, last year. He had 29 points and six triples versus the Clippers, too. So if you want a silly season hero, I think Pokazeski is just a prime candidate. And they have no one in that front court besides Basley that they actually want to play. So I'm excited about him down the stretch.
1: I will take my pokoshevsky excitement and funnel it toward Hamadou Diallo because now Kate Cunningham has been out five games with a hit pointer maybe it is just a hit pointer and we're going to see him return uh, as early as tonight so that would take a lot of wind out of those sails but Diallo is starting to play well again and I don't know I just have a feeling that in Detroit like we maybe not you know we may we may get a lull we may uh, hit a stoppage in the Diallo momentum once Cunningham's back but Just feels like
2: Diallo has silly season success written all over him. I actually agree with you because if you remember last year, they sat Jeremy Grant a ton, even when he was remotely healthy. So they sat Jeremy Grant a ton. I think they're going to do the same with Cade. They really want another high pick this year and next. So yeah, and they got rid of Josh Jackson as well and Trey Louse too. So if you're looking at that roster in terms of upside, right, it's Diallo. And then you maybe look at saving Lee in very, very deep leagues later on. But yeah, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, also, by the way, Killian Hayes last night fouled out in 13 minutes. Uh, shout out to him. That's impressive. So. Man.
1: Um, and by the way, were you about to comment on Diallo, Steve? No, go ahead. I was just going to say the one other name. I think he's on your list, Jonas. And again, I said we need to leave, and then I'm throwing more names in there, so I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite. But Zach Collins, I think, is interesting. Um, the, the Spurs paid him. They didn't pay him a ton. I think it was three years, 22 million. But they probably want to see what they have in this guy. He didn't play for basically like a year and a half. Um, he had a decent first first game, and then he played 18 minutes in their last game, 5.7 rebounds, three dimes, and a steal. So I'm a little bit intrigued about Zach Collins in deeper leagues. Are you?
2: Yeah, I had my hand on the trigger yesterday. I was waiting to add him because Jakob Perda was in those trade rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently the Charlotte uh, Hornets were looking at him. But yeah, the thing about Collins is he can get those backup center minutes right now. So that let's pencil him in for 18 minutes when he's fully up and healthy. Right. He could also play the four though. Like he can hit threes. He can be a stretch four as well too. So if the Spurs are willing to play him as a four, they've used Keldon Johnson at the four too. So I I don't think they're uh, opposed to that too. So Zach Collins uh, has been a good per minute player for the last five (laughs) years. The problem is he's played what 19 games in his entire career. It feels like, so yeah, Collins is definitely interesting and the Spurs moving Derek White, tells me that they're looking for the future, right? They're they're waiting for the future. Uh they're gonna be in player evaluation mode down the stretch too. So yeah, Collins is very, very intriguing down the stretch. I don't know. I don't know. I I I can't I
3: can't <laughs> really I can't really get too excited about Collins. Like you said, Jonas, he's played 14 games in five years. I, I just and he plays for the Spurs. Like the Spurs are <laughs> I, I I do enjoy the Spurs more this year than I have in the past. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't Eh, whatever steve
1: this is where you put on your librarian glasses and read us a viewer question or two are you ready to do that
3: yes old fan old favorite brian is back we didn't really talk about alfred Shangoon, but yes good question tice is out of there baby
1: right yeah so brian is asking Shangoon still a hold right question mark now a frustrating line for shangun on thursday night he did have four rebounds four dimes i think and a block but only played 20 minutes and went scoreless i think Mm -hmm. so that was not fun but jonas i'm still
2: holding him on my rosters are you i absolutely am because even though they didn't move christian wood they've played him next to wood for i think three or four games straight now too so that's all we wanted to see from the beginning it's finally happening now and there's no reason to go away from it now too because you have no other front court depth yeah, I just didn't like the fact that he, he came off the bench and didn't do anything his last game. But uh,
3: that's been what he's been doing all year. Like we could get, we, we could get to the end of the season and be like, well, I guess we're gonna have to wait for next year for Shangyun because we've been saying literally every week of the season, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, <laughs> and now we're, you know, we're almost to the playoffs and we're still waiting for it. So it's not guaranteed to happen like we all thought it was, but it still should happen. Like I'm still. Oh, I'm still holding on and waiting, you
2: know. you know what this reminds me of? Do you guys remember uh, Jokic when he was playing behind Nurkic in Denver in his first couple of years? So he'd started mm-hmm. slow, and then in the last couple of months, he just lit up with, like, these monster early-round numbers. I think Sangoon is probably the closest comp we have to Jokic. So I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I'm saying he's probably the closest comp we have in terms of playmaking and stuff like that, good across the board. So I think Sangun's going to have a monster finish.
1: No, shang is, is a Hall of Famer. I, I think yeah. we can print that. Oh, I think he's going uh, uh, to be. That's what Jonas said. Clip that off. Jonas said shang yeah. in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, incredible take. I love it. By the way, his minutes, before we get to this question that Steve just popped up there, his minutes the last five games go 25, 29, 25, 28, and then the 21 last night. And that was against the Raptors, who play pretty small. So I think we can actually kind of see the explanation for that one. So overall, his minutes were trending up, and I think we should be encouraged.
3: Jay Garcia Jam. Any thoughts on Mo Bamba? Is this all the minutes he gets?
2: I'm going to say yes. And I haven't really... He's, his minutes are going to be low, and the Magic are doing something very shady. They're doing that thing where they don't want to uh, pay him in the summer big money, right? Detroit did it with Christian Wood. They don't want to pay him a ton of money. They've already signed Wendell Carter Jr. to that uh, lucrative extension. They are keeping Bamba's market value low for a reason.
1: Now, that's the bad news. Mm. The good news is... I mean, at least we've still got the last month. He's inside the top 100, 1.6 blocks per game, 1.2 threes. Uh, Last two weeks, he's inside the he's a top 75 guy. So I mean, frustratingly, we may not see the early round bomber return, but at least he's still very playable. So I guess uh, that's the optimistic outlook.
2: Yeah, I would say so. He's not like I said, he's not the early rounder we thought he was going to be the the whole season because Magic dialed him back, obviously. Right. Steve, you got one more. Are we good? Uh, Let's do one more. Okay. Oh,
3: man, it's Jay Garcia jam again. I didn't know it was the same guy. Anyway, this is... You don't have your glasses on. I don't have my glasses on. Does Tobias Harris take a hit because of James Harden? That's a pretty good question.
2: I think so. I think Tobias Harris has already had a pretty underwhelming season too, right? So you put a a player with a 30% usage rate in there. There's nowhere for his body to go but down. All right.
1: That is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We'll be back here on Monday with some takeaways from the weekend when we will be finding out whether we are or aren't taking Steve to the train station, by the way. In the meantime, check out Jonas's column, the waiver-wide column on NBC Sports Edge for all the pickups to make right now. Check out Steve's column for the deadline winners and losers. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live. Jonas, Steve, thank you guys. Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See ya.
0: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference.